how badly I needed that song this morning. He is holy, holy, holy. Yes, maybe seated. Thank you, worship. Regain my composure here. I'm a tough guy, usually. <laughs> mess with me. <laughs> I'll explain more later why that song means so much to me. So Pastor Corey, Kim, and their children are down in Florida um, this week, and so they're, uh, they're coming back Tuesday to be praying for them as they travel. And yeah, I was asked to fill the pulpit this morning. It's, it's always a blessing and an honor um, to stand before you and bring God's word. Um, for that I am thankful. Let me ask a question this morning. Um, it's not a difficult question. But by a show of hands, how many of you have ever taken a bath? <laughs> people did not raise their hands. <laughs> questioning. How many of you have taken a bath in a lake? A few of you still. Pretty good. So the reason I'm sharing this is last week um, I was up north uh, with Emery, my dad. We were doing some work. We have some hunting property, a cabin, and all that. It was like 90 degrees. We were outside sweating. There's no running water um, there. So, you know, it's like, well, you can go to bed nasty, or we can find somewhere to take a bath. Well, um, I've kind of grown up, my family, if you're familiar with Oxford, a, a little bit, there's Stony Lake, if you know where Stony Lake's at. Um, there's condos there now, but there used to be a beach. Um, and my family ran that beach um, for a long time. And so growing up, I spent a lot of time at that beach. And sometimes we would get in the water and take a bath with a bar of soap in that beach. Um, so my thought was, uh, hey, Emery and Dad, we're up north. There's no running water. There's a lake kind of down the road. Um, what if we went and took a bath in the lake? My dad's like, yeah. And Emery's like, no. Because <laughs> I kind of said there's a beach there. He's like, so he's envisioning probably beaches in Florida or something, I don't know, just tons of people, and then us kind of think he thought that he had to get naked too. So he's like, no, I'm not taking a bath at the beach. Like, we're going to take a bath at the beach, you're going to like it. Um, and he did, so we stopped and we bought some, you know, bars of soap, we had to get the ivory soap, because ivory soap floats, if you didn't know that. Um, so when you drop it, it doesn't sink. It's just right there for you. Um, so we took a bath in the lake. Um, and then the next day, Emery's like, are we going back to the lake? I want to take a bath. By the end of the weekend, by um, Sunday, there's a creek just south of our property. And he's like, can we go take a bath in the creek? Yeah, let's try it. And so we went down there. And um, it was flowing, and it was very cool. Um, Emery didn't like the bath in the creek as much as the lake. 
That's my little story about taking baths. You might be wondering why. So my next question is, how many of you have been baptized? I'd like to see a show of hands there, too. A lot? That's good. So that's a good thing. Where it's not a good thing is we need more people that have been baptized, too, here. So I just want to plug that And why I'm saying that is because if you guys heard Jay's announcement, we've got this opportunity, August 28th. And I shared a little bit about it this morning, is there will be food there. I promise you it will be good. If it's not, you can blame me, but I'm smoking some meat. Um, I don't know, there's gonna be a bunch of food there, it's gonna be good. But the purpose of that baptism, on, or the picnic on August 28th is not for the food, um, the food will be good, but the purpose really is for baptism. And our hope is that we have people being baptized on Sunday, August 28th. Um, and so that being said, we thought it would be good to do a sermon on baptism today. Kind of a way to start the conversation. So we've got a few weeks before. Um, but we want to talk about it a little bit and um, hopefully answer some questions that you might have or or at least just push us as a church to move a little bit more. So there's a lot of debate around the topic of baptism. I've been deeply involved in it the last couple weeks trying to prepare for this and figure out how I was going to handle it all. So that, you know, there's questions of who should be baptized. You know, adults only, or youth, infants. Um, the question of why do we baptize? There's varying uh, ideas behind that. How should we baptize? Um, does baptism save us? Um, those sorts of things. So um, the goal this morning is to look at our view, our church's view, and what baptism is from a higher level, and hopefully um, explain it a little bit deeper to you as well. It will be a little bit different than normal. Um, I will be bouncing around a little bit. Um, so hang on. And, um, Pay attention. Um, but the goal this morning is to explain what baptism is. Uh, we're going to define what the word is, the process, um, but what it means for you and then what it means for our church as well. And I do uh, think that I need to kind of preface the sermon a little bit um, with the fact that this should be a serious message. Um, and it's one that we don't, I believe, speak about enough. This isn't really just a religious ritual, um, but it's one of really great importance. And again, as I mentioned, I hope this is just the beginning of the conversation, because um, there's really no way for me to possibly cover all of it this morning. So if you would pray with me, I'd appreciate it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for being holy, holy, holy. Lord, we thank you for sending your Son Lord, we even thank you for this baptism. Lord, what it symbolizes, what it means for us. Lord, I pray this morning that there would be people that would hear the message and, and feel convicted to be baptized. I pray that um, those of, who have already been baptized would hear it as a reminder um, to why they were baptized. And Lord, for us as a church, that we would hear it, receive it, um, but then move forward with it. Lord, that we would take it to the community. 
So Lord, speak through me this morning into the hearts and minds and souls of anyone that's listening. Lord, we again thank you so much for who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. So the question, what is baptism? I'm going to give a little intro overview here. And in order to do that, um, I'm going to read directly from our church's statement of faith. Um, I believe we have copies on the back table back there. Um, and we also have it listed on our website as well. So it's, it's under our statement of faith, point eight uh, talks about baptism and communion. And it says this, we believe that water baptism was ordained by Jesus as the outward expression of an inward reality. Baptism by immersion symbolizes the believer's participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and serves as the means by which new converts publicly identify themselves as followers of Jesus Christ and are formally initiated into the community of believers. A lot of words there. So we're going to kind of look at a higher level view of baptism here at New Hope. You guys have heard of the term believer's baptism? Okay. So believer's baptism is those who wish to be baptized must profess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Okay. So they must be a believer. What's that mean to be a believer? You have to be able to profess what you believe. Um, so in that, you know, I have to mention that we don't baptize infants here. Uh, reason being is because it would be hard for an infant to profess a faith. <laughs> Mainly because they just cry because they don't really speak, right? Um, so we're, what we, we require is that believer's baptism. It's somebody who can profess and explain the faith in Jesus Christ is Lord. This doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and that you've got it all together because you won't. Um, it also doesn't mean that you have to explain everything about the Bible or about Jesus. It just means that you understand the gospel, that you've received it, and that you can explain what that means. So believer's baptism. In the New Testament, there are no baptized non-believers and there are no non-baptized believers okay believers would be baptized as soon as they could be now today for different reasons different incorrect reasons i i would say is we have many baptized non-believers and many non-baptized believers why is that? Again, in the, in the New Testament, it's the picture is very clear of a, a believer is baptized. There was none. I mean, there might be okay, like a day or two or something, but like there was, when it happened, they were baptized as soon as they could be. And then you didn't have people that didn't believe getting baptized. And we see that today, what I mean by that, can I be careful? I don't want to offend people, but it's the truth is that there's people that will be baptized out of an emotional response um, that you know, I, I mean, I've been at events and I've seen it where you know there's kind of like 
altar call to a baptismal, and people want to go do it um, because other people are doing it. Um, I just want to say we have to be careful with that. Do Am I saying that those people aren't believers now? Am I saying that we have to be careful in how that approach happens? Yeah, just a little bit. And that's where our church <coughs> is this uh, believer's baptism. So kind of a first step is that you would talk with one of the elders, Corey, and just say, hey, I'm a believer. That's kind of the first step. And then we would talk to you about, hey, what do you believe? What does that look like? That's all. Does that make sense? It's not too crazy. It's just a little step, that's all. So believer's baptism is what we do here, and then also baptism by immersion. So the word baptize um, has been transliterated from the Greek word baptizo, which is defined as immerse, which immerse means to dip or submerge. Okay? So transliterated uh, means, in this case, taking the Greek word and spelling it phonetically in English. Okay, so they didn't take the word and well, it's like close to like this English word that already exists. They took baptizo and changed it or made it into baptize. Okay, the English word baptize is the same exact word as baptizo. They have the same exact meaning, which is to dip or submerge. Okay, and so why was it transliterated? There's, been, there's other words that were transliterated in the same way, um, rather than being just translated to immerse. Because immerse would have made it really simple for us, um, and it would have helped us today debate, um, or it wouldn't even be a debate, we would just, it would, we'd all know that baptism is just by immersion. Um, well, there is some confusion why they might have done that or didn't do it, but what it boils down to is that they knew what the word baptizo or baptizo meant. They knew that it meant to like dip somebody or something in the water. So there was no reason to change it. That they were just, and maybe it had already come across into the English language. And again, it was just already understood that that's what it meant. They knew that it meant to immerse or to submerge. There was no question or doubt of what that meant, and they probably um, didn't know that there would be future debates on what it might look like. It was widely accepted. So today, if we hear the word baptize or baptism, and we automatically think of the religious action, right? But for them, at the time when the, the scriptures were written, um, they would have automatically thought of this act of immersion. Okay? There's some debate on how close it's related to uh, another word that's bapto, which is really close, um, that's very similar, um, but it's more specific to the dunking of a, um, like a, a cloth into a dye, so to dye clothing. Um, so when you think of how would you dye clothing? Well, you know, you wouldn't like sprinkle it unless that was the look you're going for it, probably not. So you would submerge or immerse the liquid or the cloth, the article of fabric into the dye. Does that make sense? So at, at New Hope, we believe in baptism by immersion. Okay, so we don't sprinkle here. Um, we will dunk you. 
and we will bring you back out. Okay? Don't leave me down. So the act is actually to dunk and bring out. It's not to dunk and leave. Just saying. Okay, so, so believer's baptism by immersion in water, um, and it is a prerequisite for membership. Okay, so you don't need to be baptized uh, by our church or in our church, um, but we would ask that you would, you know, that it would have been a, a water immersion believer's baptism. Okay, you don't need to. You know, some churches hand out the certificates. You don't need to like, bring that to prove it. Trust you. <laughs> But what that does for us as a church and a membership is that it we can ask you to be baptized by immersion. Yes, or by you know a believer's baptism. Yes, okay. So then you're gonna there's other steps in this membership pro, uh, process, but we'll already know that we're united together in Christ. Okay, if you haven't been baptized, now there's this question of do you believe? Why? Because again, going back to how it should be, New Testament believers are baptized, right? Immediately. So today we need to try to get back to that where it's like, well, you're a believer, you need to get baptized. Why haven't you? Let's help you. So that's why we again have this opportunity coming up. So I also want to talk about the historical context of religious washing. I think it's important to kind of understand and then build up to what it looked like in the New Covenant. So there's an Old Testament ritual um, we see throughout the Old Testament, which is an act of ceremonial cleansing by water, sometimes blood. Um, and there's a few examples of that. The priests and the Levites would be washed or sprinkled with water uh, when they initiated into their sacred offices. Um, the priests would wash their hands and feet before performing sacrifices. Um, and then on the Day of Atonement, the high priest had to bathe himself. So it's this cleansing, this ceremonial cleansing that took place in the Old Testament, okay? Um, where they, they thought that they had to wash themselves to be clean before God or before they entered their offices or before they performed sacrifices. Does that make sense? They needed to be clean first because they were dirty. There are many other Old Testament cleansing rituals, um, or, or sorry, these and many other Old Testament cleansing rituals would continue uh, through the time of Jesus. But there's a major difference between these acts of cleansing and that done in the early church. And we'll see that where these acts needed to be replaced because they were repeated continually. The baptism we see today in and through Christ is done once and for all. So where in the Old Testament they had to continue to clean themselves because they were sinful, they were dirty, right? Not holy enough or not clean enough. And it had to be continually repeated. For today, thankfully, um, in and through Christ, it's a once and for all baptism. You're a believer, you do it once, and it's for all. So now we move into John the Baptist. What role does he have in all of this? If you know anything about John the Baptist, he was an interesting character, had an interesting diet, wore some interesting clothes, 
but he was a prophet who was also prophesied. He prophesied that this, this in-between guy would come. He was also the first evangelist. He was preaching and proclaiming this coming Messiah with a message of repentance. So think of that now. This crazy guy eating bugs, dressed weird. <laughs> I think he's standing on the, pre- the street corner, right? But he was preaching this message of repentance. And we see as his ministry grew in popularity, uh, Matthew 3, 5 through 6 says this, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So this, this crazy guy, he grew in his ministry. People were hearing, receiving, believing, repenting, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So he was sharing this message of repentance, but warning of this coming Messiah, Jesus. So many came to believe and be baptized by him. Um, And this act, again, knowing what they knew from the Old Testament cleansing rituals would be and look familiar to them, right? They would know what this ritual cleansing looked like. And they, they believed that they had to get clean physically before this Jesus Messiah was coming. And this is an interesting thought to consider as well. So John the Baptist, while he exists in our mind in the New Testament, was actually living still in Old Testament times. Does that make sense? Because, again, in our mind, we see it as like, okay, well, Matthew starts the New Testament, everything before that was the Old Testament. Well, Matthew hadn't been written yet. (laughs) Jesus hadn't even come yet. So... John the Baptist was actually living in Old Testament times still. So when it comes to this act of cleansing, this ritual side of it, it would have been much like that Old Testament baptism or that Old Testament cleansing. And the reason that's important is because we need to know that while it was similar, that baptism that John the Baptist was performing was similar to what we see today, it's not the same. Because again, he was washing in preparation of this coming Messiah. This may be news to you, but Jesus has come. (laughs) The Messiah is here. So now we're past that, right? Does that make sense? So John the Baptist was kind of in Old Testament times. He was this prophet, this evangelist. He was baptizing people, leading them to repent, and then baptizing them. And then we get to Jesus, right? Jesus was baptized by John himself. We're going to get into it a little bit more, but what does this do? It signified Jesus' humanity, but also the start of his ministry. And then we see John's act of baptisms continue. Uh, we see John... Um, 322 that Jesus and the disciples went out baptizing. And then we see in John 4 that they seemingly discontinue the act. So again, picture this, if you will, as like a timeline. John the Baptist kind of living in this Old Testament time period. Okay, he's doing this ritual cleansing. 
of this coming Messiah. Jesus does appear. He comes. This is after that. He's got his disciples now. Those disciples actually continued out that cleansing in that Old Testament way for this coming Messiah because the people didn't know yet and believe yet that Jesus was that Messiah. And then they, Jesus stops it. It ends, we see. And we see that because it, we don't see it after that for some time. So to recap this intro, we've covered a high level in the intro of baptism, what New Hope's statement of faith is, this water immersion baptism for believers. It's a prerequisite for church membership. We looked at the historical context of it. We see uh, that folks in the early church would have had a great understanding of the historical ritual of cleansing. Um, then we see John's act of repentant cleansing to prepare for Jesus. Now we get to this new covenant baptism. What does it look like today? And how did it change? Okay, so in our statement of faith, it says that it is ordained by Jesus. It's commanded by Jesus. So this should help us understand the significance of it, right? If Jesus ordained it, Jesus commanded it, it's something we should probably do. So he commands us as believers to be baptized and the church to baptize. So he commands the individual. Jesus himself was baptized. A simple way, again, to, to view this, if Jesus did it, so should I. You could leave it at that and we'd all be fine. But a deeper thought here, though, is that Jesus' baptism was the sign of the new covenant. Matthew 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 2 and 11 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verses 11 through 17 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to baptize, be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to, to me? And Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus is this fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. This is a visual of the immersion. Okay? Up from the water. The water wasn't brought and sprinkled on. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So for John, this, this act was Jesus' stamp of approval on his message and ministry. Imagine John sharing this message and believing it fully, you know, right? And he was actually cast out of the town, and the guy was crazy. He's baptizing this repentant message of this coming Messiah, and then Jesus shows up. He's actually here. And he wants me to baptize him. Imagine that 
for a moment. It's, it's wild. But for Jesus, it, it signified the inauguration of his ministry. How so John's message was looking forward and expecting this coming kingdom. Jesus made it backward looking, celebrating the event. John's baptized was repentance and looking forward. Let's cleanse ourselves for this coming Messiah. Jesus is now I'm here. I have come. It's backwards looking. It's celebrating the event. So John's ministry really had been an interim practice. And then Jesus shows up and fulfills that ministry. What else? Well, baptism represents union with Christ. We see this in Romans 6. 1 through 11. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to con continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death, his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we see this repentant life, turning away from sin, being dead to sin, and alive in Christ. Like what John Piper had to say about this, he says this, When we trust in Christ, his death counts as our death. His resurrection counts as our resurrection. And then in baptism, we dramatically portray what happened spiritually when we received Christ. Our old self of unbelief and rebellion and idolatry died, and our new identity, a person of faith and submission and treasuring Christ, came into being. All of that through faith. And that's what we confess. And that's what we symbolize when we go down into the water as though we were being buried with Christ and then come out, out of it. End quote. So the prompting of God in our lives and our hearts, to, that effectual calling, and then our faith, our believing in Jesus, is what gives us that unity with Christ. But it's that baptism is what shows the world. Okay, it's not the baptism that does the saving or gives us the unity in Christ. There's some churches that believe that. It's not the baptism that does that. It's the faith. Well, first it starts with the prompting of God, and then the effectual calling, our faith, and our belief. 
is what gives us that unity in Christ, and the baptism is what shows the world. So I want to share uh, why I chose Revelation song. So what's cool, probably jumping ahead a little bit, but our baptism at our church is August 28th. My personal baptism was August 29th, 2010. 12 years ago, and now here I am talking and giving this message on baptism. So going back to this song, and why I asked the worship team um, to lead it this morning is because I, I think it was Easter 2010 is the first time that I heard it. Um, that 2010 year, I've shared some of my testimony with you guys. 2010 was a big year for Jeanette and I and our faith. Um, it was the start of this year that we had made a commitment to center our lives and relationship around Christ and attend church every Sunday. So this is just a few months in now, Easter, I don't know, a few months into that commitment and the worship team in our church leads this song revelation song and i'm pretty sure it's like this morning it brought me to tears holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come with all creation i sing praise to the king of kings you are my everything and i will adore you Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath, and living water. Such a marvelous mystery that hit me that day. And I realized at that point, my eyes had become open, and I understood it, and I believed it. That this Jesus is the holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And that I wanted him to be my everything. Why? Because he saved my life. And I felt this overwhelmingness in my body, my spirit that day, and I realized something's changed. I'm not who I was before. So why do I share that with you today? Because this was, again, the first time I realized the weight of my sin, but at the same time, the mysterious mercy and grace of Jesus. That I knew the life that I had been living for years, but it wasn't, I wasn't held up to that anymore. My life was new in Christ, and he loves me. My, I realized that my life was no longer my own, and that I had been saved and redeemed from the sinful life that I had been living in. And I knew at that moment that I had been born again. I call that my... BC time, or before Christ in my life time, and then somewhere in there is that moment my eyes had been opened and I realized I'd been set free from my sin and shame, and there was no going back. I believed and I knew I needed and wanted to be baptized, is why I tell you that this morning. My life was different. It was new. It was changed. This new body, this new birth. And so Jeanette and I, I believe it was the soonest opportunity, um, again, which didn't come until August of that year, we were baptized. And we wanted to tell everybody about it. And we did. We invited friends, family, whoever wanted to come, come see us. So I ask you this morning, have you 
responded to this? Have you had this moment or this change in your life, your heart, and you believe is what it boils down to? Clock's not up today, so I guess I can go as long as I can. That's something, that's something that you have to do between you and God. As I mentioned earlier, there was no believers in the, in the New Testament that were not baptized. If you believe, again, this is just the start of a conversation this morning. If you believe, you should be baptized. And I want to get into this, and I apologize if you have lunch, cooking, and you know, I have to talk about the Great Commission. So Jesus commands the believer in baptism, but he commands the church. We see this in Matthew 28. I'm going to read 16 through 20. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubt that this is after his death. This is after his resurrection. Okay, This is when they, they see him. After he has come back from the dead. So they see him, they worship him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to him, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, which is one of the best promises that we have. How does the church respond to this command? Jesus has commanded you individually. He's commanded us as a church that we are to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And going, when it says go, is implied. Because you can't do it in here. Okay? There's some room here. But you saw the hands that went up. <laughs> a lot of people already been baptized in here. If we went out into the world and had them raise their hands, there would be not a lot of hands that go up. So we have to go out of this building into the community. Just like John the Baptist, you don't have to wear the crazy clothes and eat bugs. But you need to preach a message of repentance to the world. Be praying that they receive it, and when they receive that message of repentance, and then they repent of their lives, when they turn away from it, when they believe in this Jesus as Messiah, when they let go of their old lives, when they realize that their sin and their shame and all of those things have been let go, what do we do? We celebrate them with Jesus in baptism. It's one of the greatest things we can witness as believers, is new believers coming to faith but professing that faith in baptism, right? Because the imagery of this death, we understand Jesus died, right? He was buried and then he was brought out of the grave. He was raised to new life. I'll speak for myself. I was, I was buried. The old Bobby is gone. I've said this 
hundred million times and plan to do it that much more. Maybe not a hundred million, but a lot. The old body is dead. There's this new body who is alive in Christ and said this, is anything good, you know, people thank me or whatever, it's like anything good you see from me, give the credit to God, anything bad, you can give the credit to the old body. Okay, because those are things that are still lingering that I need to work on. Okay. But you've been dead, buried your old self, and now raised in newness of Christ. And that imagery, I like what Piper said, it's the dramatization of it. This dramatization, I've got a beautiful picture of myself, Janetta, my sister was there that day as well, being raised up out of the water and seeing the water come off of our skin. It's the dramatization of this new life. So as a church, what do we do? We have to go and, and share this gospel message. If you've already been baptized, you need to be sharing this gospel message with people. We share it in our Sunday school hour this morning. There's a lot of hurt in this community. There's a lot of pain in this community. And the people need hope, they need peace, they need love, and they need all of that in Jesus. It's the only place they're going to find it. So what do we do? How do we go and do it? We, again, have to start by going. So we have to start by thinking what that is, and then we have to act and go on it. much this morning, but I'll wrap it up. I know Lorraine's got a bus to catch, probably. This is just the beginning of a conversation, and I don't want it to end here. It can't end here, because there's a lot more to it. But just know this, that baptism is a once and for all act. While it doesn't save you, and no, the water doesn't actually cleanse you, it does hand in hand with redemption. Okay. Baptism goes hand in hand with salvation and redemption. And redemption, the salvation, is what saves you, right? Baptism goes right alongside of it. John the Baptist proclaimed repentance and preparation for this coming Messiah, and now we as a church proclaim repentance and celebration. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for Jesus, that he came and died on that cross, Lord, to be the, the payment for our sins. Lord, so that we today can stand before you and you look at us through the lens of him, this perfect, holy Jesus. But we don't have to go before you and try to get clean. There's not enough cleaning that we can do to scrub off the dirt of our sin. But we can go before you now in this, this newness of Christ. But we thank you for that truth this morning. pray for everyone here. And I pray for their salvation, Lord. 
that you would be drawing them into you. They're already saved. They're already baptized. Lord, we praise you and we say amen. Lord, there's people here that haven't known that, if they haven't believed it, if they haven't been baptized yet, Lord, we pray that you would continue to draw them into you. Lord, we pray that they would, their hearts would be softened, their eyes would be opened. Lord, that they would see you as this King and this Messiah who's here. They'd let go of their old lives and they want nothing more to serve you and to honor you with everything that they do. Lord, we pray that you would do that work. We pray that you would even lead them to baptism this month, Lord, if it's something that they've been thinking about considering, Lord. We pray that that prompting on their heart this morning would push them to continue this conversation. Lord, again, we thank you for the great blessing of who you are. We thank you for the symbolism of this our, of our deaths or our lives dying, being buried with Christ even, but also being raised with him. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that is, Lord. We love you and thank you. It's in Jesus' beautiful name.